Hey, onesies, Josh Williams here, and thanks for checking out the One Man Podcast. There's now over 200 episodes and dozens of bonus interviews, all of which are available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and many more. And you know what? If you don't have any of those apps, no big deal, because you can listen anytime at onemanpodcast.com. So be sure to subscribe, because it's always free, and there's a new episode out every Wednesday. And while you're at it, leave a review. It's a great way to help the podcast, and it doesn't cost you a thing. Follow One Man Podcast on all the major socials, and you'll get bonus content and pictures, fun stuff for yourself. And finally, if you have something that you want read on the show, send it to contact at onemanpodcast.com, because if you send it, I'll read it on an upcoming episode. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. What's up, everybody? This is DJ Demers. I'm K. Trevor Wilson. Hey, it's Krista Allen. Hi, this is Rick Mercier. What's up, guys? This is Paul Verzi, and you are listening to the One Man Podcast. Yeah! My name is Josh Williams, and welcome to the One Man Podcast, episode number 341 for Wednesday, November 15th, 2023. How's it going, onesies? How are you guys doing? You have the best day ever, best week ever. West be. I really slam my words together. <laughs> are you having the best week? Having the best, you know, are you crushing life? Who knows? I, if you've never listened to this before, I am comedian, brand ambassador, earthling, Josh Williams, telling you what's going on with me personally, professionally, and, and anything else in between. And uh, on this week's episode, I'll tell you about a nice little night I had visiting my friend, playing some board games with him and his wife, my kiddo. I did some shows at Absolute Comedy. I did uh, did three shows, actually, and I'll tell you about them. And then I did my first shift working the Santa Claus booth. And uh, as always, whenever I say that, no, I was not playing Santa, but I'll tell you more about that. I finished a game that I found particularly fun. And I'll tell you guys about that. And then of course, you know, just all the other things I, I ordered some meal kits that I said recently fallen way behind on them. I ordered something online that was just hitting me over and over and over again on the uh, Facebook and Instagram ads. Yeah. I'll, I might even tell you a little story here. depends on how, how good I'm feeling that I've got an email to read for you guys later on. Right. So it's a bit of a, it was a bit of a, an off week here. So I'm going to start by telling you guys that I Let's do the Santa Claus thing, right? Let's get that one out of the way. We did the training for for the Santa Claus thing, which was just kind of like, for context, I did it last year and it was a nice gig. It's a nice gig when the holidays are a little uncertain. It's working all day long at the Rideau Center. It's the largest mall in the city. And last year I did the Monday to Friday and it was a, it was a simple off gig. I was the photographer. We had like this rig set up. So it was almost like a, like a coat hanger like our coat. Yeah. Like a, like a coat tree, I'd say coat hanger, but like a, like a tree style. Right. And essentially it had a base, it had an iPad, it had an arm with, well, an arm with an iPad an arm with the, the camera. I believe it had a flash on it or at the very top. Uh, yes, it did. Of course, cause people were fucking it up last year, but it was just a bunch of like, it was basically a tree with all this stuff. And then I would have full control over the camera, being able to take the photos, take as many photos as I want and then submit them to the, the parents. Now there was a ton of problems with it last year, but they weren't super intense. However, other properties were, were doing such a piss poor job with them that, that they basically decided to go with a different company this year. But you know, my buddy, Jad, who I've worked with a million times and talked about here on the podcast, he found the, the company that was doing it this year, excuse me. And I just all of a sudden just getting gassy, little micro, micro burps, <clears throat> excuse me. And so he found the company, reached out to them, whatever we're on board, we're doing it again this year. So we went to the training uh, online, right? We did the online training and it was, it was kind of like, 
you're going to be doing this thing. I probably talked about it in a previous episode in all fairness, but it was just like, you're gonna be doing this thing. It's a little different. It's a photo booth style. There's going to be, there's not going to be three of you. Cause last year there was two people working the desk and then myself taking the photos and it kind of worked out. It's also Santa too, right? He's number four, but in, on the team that I was working with, which was kind of necessary, I would say, because you have one person working the desk, checking people in, answering questions about how the process worked. Then I have another person who was basically doing crowd control making sure people lined up properly. We're giving them the the tips and tricks to help make it a win. You know what I mean? Like, Hey guys, try to have, you know, if it's a big lineup, try to have your coats and everything off ready to go. So that when you get in there, you're not just starting to get yourselves ready. You know, Hey, if you're if you're going to, you know, if you got a little kid and you want a picture alone with Santa, the best way to do that is to take all the family sh- group shots first, you know, just in case your kid loses it and is crying. Like, you know, then, then if you try to do that, that picture first alone with Santa and they, they lose their shit. Well, now you got like a, a kid whose face is all red from crying and, and wet eyes and wet, you know, you, now your family shots got an upset kid in it. So the best thing to do is to take all the family photo first, blah, blah, blah. Like you have one person prepping the line with that information. Then you have me taking the pictures, trying to get baby's attention and all that stuff. Make sure that all nine people in the family are all looking at the camera. Like it was, it's a lot. So this year we're doing it with two people. So one person's doing the check-in and crowd control and, and then I'm doing the, the photography again. So it's, it's a reasonable amount, a reasonable amount of stuff going on, you know, at the thing. And then this year they're like, it's like a photo booth. So you're like, okay, so we're not, we don't control the camera. They're like, no, you just press a button on the screen and it, and it flashes. So it's almost like it's tough because you're not doing it like at a wedding where everyone's an adult. It's okay, guys, look at the camera. You know what I mean? It's like, no, you're kids and, and we're in the middle of a mall. So like, it's hard to get a baby's attention sometimes to begin with. Then they're scared of Santa. And on top of that, you know, there's people walking by going, Hey Santa and everything like that. It's, it's difficult. Forgive me. I got get my cough filter here. Regular radio, there's like a cough button, but I just have to hit pause. Anyway. So we're going to go to the, you know, they're telling us you're going to get hit the button. And I'm already going like, oh, this, this is hard to tell. So is, is there a photographer? Is there not? We're blah, blah, blah. So go to the first day. They're going to train us how to use the equipment in person. And then that evening we work our first shift with Santa taking pictures of the mall staff and their, like the actual property management team staff and their families. So we went, we learned the system. It was, it looked a little more complicated than it actually was. The only complaint I have about this year's setup is that the button, like, like they gave us a hand trigger. The only thing is the hand trigger is a bit of a pain in the ass in the sense that you press the button sometimes it goes off. Sometimes it doesn't. And then if it does go off, it always goes off like one or two seconds later. It's not as precise as when I'm using the SLR itself, where I can press the button down, like the shutter button down and it's like prepped. And then literally I just press one, boom, it's instant take. Like, so when the kids finally look at me and said, I'm, I'm like pressing the button. And then, you know, in that one, two second delay, the kid can look away and now it goes, I'm like, fuck. So Overall, it seems to be an easier system this year because I, because I think that I'm not taking as many pictures as I did last year. Like I'm not able to take as many pictures in succession. Like it's like, it takes a picture and then it like shows the picture on the screen and then I have to hit accept or decline. And then it kind of like has an animation where it slowly fades away. And it's like, if I'm trying to take a second picture quickly, not a fucking option. But I think that because parents can see that, they know that like, I don't have as much precision. So they're actually not, their expectations, most of them are lowered because it's kind of like, yeah, you don't have the space to, to get the next shot right away afterwards. Whereas last year I could. So anyways, the first shift was fine. We learned a little bit of the this stuff. So I've worked my first Santa Claus shift and it, it would appear that that everything's going to be okay. I think that the, the event goes live the following Friday. So, or this coming Friday, 
So, you know, it's, uh, it seems easy enough. <laughs> I did. I'll tell you guys too about in the meantime, I, I ordered some hello fresh meals and I got them at a discount because I was working an event, but I've still wasted money on them. I've canceled them just because I'm recognizing how, like how little I say little time, but it's the, it's the traffic in the house. So because both of the kids are, you know, teenagers now and can cook, they, instead of it being like before, we're like, like, even though Crystal and I broke up, it would be like, she makes the meal for them. And then I make my meal or, or what have you. It's like two cooking periods in the house and we're not making three meals a day, but it would be like, okay, like if, if they were to make breakfast and things never really overlapped in a negative way. Now, I don't know if Crystal cooks or not, but there's Crystal, then there's Brooke, then there's Michaela, and then there's me. And what's happening is with everything that's going on, I'm not, I'm not making a meal during the day, which I should have been, but I wasn't. And then when I come home, that seems to be when everyone decides they need the kitchen. It's a little bit like when I was living at Jay's where like nobody needed the kitchen. And as soon as I wanted to use it, everyone else wanted to use it. And I don't, Jay's was a little different where like I would literally go into the kitchen and start. No one was using it. I would like, oh, the kitchen's free. I'm going to use it. And then all of a sudden, as soon as I was in there, now all of a sudden Kamar's going to come in and start, you know, chopping some stuff and, and, and throwing some stuff in the toaster oven. It's like, why are you cooking right now? Can you wait like 15 minutes for me to finish? Why do you need to use this little hallway kitchen right now too? And same with like Jay or whatever, come in and start, you know, filling his water, water can so he could water his plants while I'm trying to like cook and clean things. It's like, dude, get this guys, get the fuck out of my way. So it's not quite the same as there. I'm, but what I'm saying is that like, you know, it, it develops more, but essentially it's, it's, Hey, I don't get home until late. You know, is there any reason that while you were home all night and I wasn't here, you couldn't have cooked? Like why is eight, eight or nine o'clock the time that you decide you need to start cooking? Cause I have a limited window where I can cook, make this like hour long meal and then eat it, go to bed and wake up early. So it was just like things getting pushed back and I go, well, I'm not going to start, start a meal at like nine 30, 10 o'clock. Like I, I'm, I don't want to be eating that late. And I certainly don't want to be, you know, spending the, the, that time. I don't know. It's tough to get into a different task. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but it's hard to get into a task going, oh, in 30 minutes, I'm going to stop this thing. You know, you know, it's more like, cause that, that would be the thought, right? I'll like, okay, well, while I'm waiting for the kitchen, I'm going to start doing something that will take me longer. Then I'm going to go cook for an hour you know, eat a meal and then just, just, just go to bed. Like I was kind of hoping to be able to cook from like eight 30 to nine 30, you know, be finished eating by 10 and then have an hour to gear down before sleep, not be eating and then right to bed. Just not something that works for me, but I digress. It would be like the, the week is going on and I'm like, okay, I've got like three meals. So that's nothing. And then before I know it, I'm like, holy fuck, it's Sunday and I haven't cooked any of the meals yet. And the new box is coming in a day or two. Like it's already a week old. I, 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 I think it's too busy a time of year to be, to be doing meal kits for myself at least. So I've canceled it. I, I, I will say that like, as my end to the HelloFresh boxes, I will say that the prices have gone up on them seemingly and the portions have gone down. Like there was, I said it probably the last time I was talking about it too, but like I could put both portions on a plate and almost finish them in a, in a sitting. And I don't mean like gorging myself, but I mean like put both, both portions on and be like, yeah, this, I would be happy if that was a meal I had ordered at a restaurant and, you know, I've been like, okay, it's just a little, little too much to finish. But like, I feel like I got my money's worth only instead I'm paying $25, $26 
for said meal and I had to make it myself and use my own hydro and, and all that stuff, an hour of my time. Not worth it, gang. Hard, hard not worth it on the HelloFresh. That's my my final final thoughts on HelloFresh. I will not be doing it again, despite the, the code I got, because I'm getting poultry meals, I'm having to throw it out, and I'm not getting to use it. It's not, it's not safe to consume. So the quality of the meat that I got was subpar. Like I said, big white chunks of like fat or gristle mixed into it. I, it just looks like they're, they're cutting down the quality, amping up the price, lowering the portions. It's not, not good. Not good. So yeah, that's where, where I'm at it with the HelloFresh. I did buy some, some noodles that I thought normally I don't, you know, plug shit unless, uh, unless they're, they're, you know, sponsoring me, but whatever. But, but if you like ramen noodles, there's, I'm sure you've been advertised the Momofuku noodles. And uh, I bought the pack that gave me six bags with five portions each. So 30 portions and there's five different flavors. I've been making them here and there. I really like that. Like I boil the kettle and, and the pot of water it doesn't take me more than a few minutes. And then the noodles go in. It's three minutes, three to four minutes for the noodles, drain it throw these like sauce, like they're like oily sauces too. It's not like powder, uh, oily sauces onto the dry noodles and then mix it up. And I get a nice little sort of, it's not incredible, but the noodles are thicker. Like it's not, it doesn't feel like I'm making like a shitty little ramen. I believe I'm still there. I'm still paying about $3 per package. So, and I, I often make two packages together to make it a little bit larger meal. So I'm still paying about six bucks a meal. And occasionally what I'll do is once the noodles are sauced and, and mixed and everything like that, I'll crack an egg or two into the pot and then put that back on the heat and like cook the egg into it, almost kind of like pad thai where I've just got like eggs stuck to it too. It gives it a little, little more stretch. So I've enjoyed them, but I would say that probably the best way to enjoy them for their price would be the whole, like, you know, boil some eggs and put a little bit of protein on, like really make them look like, like all the packages where it's you know, sitting with, with some, some meat on it and some egg and, and all that other stuff to, to, to stretch a little more. The noodles on their own are fine. The flavors are decent. They're not incredible. They're decent. A lot of them are, are particularly like, you know, they got a lot of heat and some of them even spice to them. But if you've been wondering about them, I, I still would give them a thumbs up. I've never been a big ramen guy to begin with. I don't like the, 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 the soup aspect of it. And I, I've never really put like the, the powder on the dry noodles, but Mamafuku, if it's advertised to you and you've been on the fence, I would say it's quite good. Apparently, Amanda, my colleague who I work with for the Santa Claus thing, she said that they've ordered them, but they also ordered the the chili, the crunchy chili like sauce oil that goes on it. And they said that adds an extra dimension to it. I did not order that. It was pretty expensive. I paid a hundred I paid a hundred dollars all said and done for 30 packages of noodles, which a lot of them I eat two at a time. So that's why I say it's about about three to six dollars per per meal. And then I think the oil was like another 20 something dollars for this little, you know, kind of small mason jar size. I'm trying to think of like what comes in this size. It's not like it's about half of a mason jar of like oil with what looks like sesame seeds in it. So I'm trying to figure out where the crunch texture comes from, but it could be like, like the sesame seeds, but it doesn't quite look like it almost looks like little battered sesame seeds in this oil. And I'm like, the sauce is already oily. So I can't imagine adding more oil to it, but who knows? I haven't tried it. And apparently that sauce is bomb. Like that's, that's the game changer. So just thought I'd mention if you've been looking and you're like, Oh, I wonder from, from me, they're good noodles. They're not insane. It's not like, Oh my God, these are game changers. Like, because they're dry when you mix the sauce, like they kind of stick together in a clump, you know what I mean? So it's not like loose, wet noodles. It's, it's kind of like, you know, they're dry, they absorb the sauce, but now they're kind of all stuck together. So it's, it's, 
it is what it is. I mean, it's advertising on, on Instagram, whatever they're good, but they're not, I don't think that if you're in the market for ramen, I can't say that they're probably like six bucks, you know, a go good. And that's the way it crumbles. Excuse me. Oh, cough button. All right. Banging through my tiny little review stuff. I went and I want to just throw this out there because it's not a huge deal, but there is a great employee at, at ESOP, a spot that I, as one of the skincare companies that I use, it's, it's higher end, but the people there are really, really good to me. And one of said people is Ignasi. He's an employee that's worked there for as long as I've been shopping there. And I was just informed that he is leaving his last day is December 2nd. He's getting a job, uh, you know, high profile or not high profile, sorry, very, very hush, hush, low profile, secret, but high security uh, level job with the government. So just a little shout out to Ignasi, a little, you know, good for you, buddy, onwards and upwards. And, you know, I hope everything goes well for you. And it's just a little sad because like that was to, like, that was one of the the faces of, of the spot that I went into. So like, you know, you have your local place. And, uh, sometimes you just get so used to seeing somebody there. It's, it's not like you're like, listen, I want you to never have your hopes and dreams so that I get to see you every time I come and buy hand cream. But you know, it's just one of those things where like, oh, it'll, it'll be sad to see you go. You were, you were integral to my experience here when I shopped. So I'm happy for him onward and upward. I'm also, also my barber is going to be leaving for some time. So I went and got my hair cut with my barber Jay at the house of Barons, and he is going to Latvia to cut hair on a military base for six months. So we, we had our last uh, appointment together there. I said like, who do I see? And he's like, eh, any of the guys here are good. But I, I, I guess I'm really picky about my hair. I don't think I am, but I've, I've, I've had different people cut my hair and no one's done like a horrific job, but as the prices of hair care, hair care, as the price of haircuts go up, like I'm, I'm paying like $40, $50 for a haircut. And I'm kind of getting like someone like, okay, they just take the thing, they trim my sides. They just shorten what I've got. And that's it. It's like, well, like, can you part it, cut the part in, trim it, make it look nice and tight. Like getting some of the things that I, I really want. Plus the, the big one too, is that Jay does my beard at the same time. And my beard has a, a relative, relatively decent amount of sculpting to it. I, I haven't been as strict with my beard regime in terms of, of grooming it. I, I still wash it very, very strictly, but I, I haven't been putting as much effort into like straightening and stuff like that. You know, again, with the lady and I calling it quits, there's been a decent amount of depression. You know what I mean? And, uh, and while I, I'm, 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 as the time goes on becoming more and more certain that it's the right thing, it's still sad and it is going into the holidays. So, you know, we've already had had Thanksgiving go by since, and uh, I wasn't a part of that. Right. So it's the first like family get together. I wasn't a part of, so it's just kind of like, you know, like you, I guess when you're depressed, you're not as self forward. Plus I'm just getting ready to stand around in a mall. You know what I mean? I, I still do myself up for shows and whatnot, but, but in terms of every single day, putting it out there, I'm, I'm just, I'm getting through it. So I'm just, it's just to say that I'm not taking as good of care as my beard as I, as I once was. But that aside, when I get my hair cut, Jason does a great job of sculpting the beard to give it a particular look that I maintain on my own. And that is where I've really, really struggled to find a barber who like takes my notes. Like I'll show them a picture ahead of time. Like I want my beard to look like this, like this, this, you know, start here. I want the, the, the jawline to, to sort of come down this way, like the, the front to be like this, if you could thin that out and they're like, yep, no problem. And then they'll just take a guard put it on a, a pair of clippers and trim my whole beard. I'm like, well, now the beard is not sculpted at all. It's just rounded to my face. Like it was just like, okay, so you didn't listen at all, or you don't know how to do beards. You know what I mean? So like, it's a very, 
seemingly simple process. I can even do it. I can do it myself, but it's, it's harder because you need to be able to step back and like see the lines and stuff. And it's hard to do when your head's tilted up and and you're kind of coming at it. You're trying to like look underneath your own chin when you're working. It's, it's, it's harder. So I'm fine to have that, you know, cost when I'm getting my haircut. So haircut and beard, beard shaping at the same time. But, but Jay has said that anybody there can do it. We'll see it grows back. So I won't lose my shit if it doesn't look good, but I'm not, I'm not super optimistic because in the past I've had many people say that, yeah, no problem and problem, problem for sure. But he's going there for six months. I'm, I'm excited uh, for him. I'm looking forward to the stories that, you know, he'll tell me when he comes back. And, and he was also, you know, I, I was chatting with him and he's in a position where, where he and his partner called it quits this year, but they cohabitate. So I was like, man, can I ask you some personal questions just, you know, to, to see where, where you're at with things, how, how you do. And he's like, well, they both agreed, like, like they, I guess they, they parted ways amicably. And he's like, we have a, a kind of like a, a no guests rule in the sense that like, you know, if either one of them starts dating somebody else, they don't kind of rub it in the other one's face. And I was like, I, I resp- appreciate that. Cause that is one of my fears going forward as much as I know that this is probably the best course of action. It's not something I'm looking forward to. You know what I mean? I'm still not looking forward to seeing them with someone else. So, and I would imagine it goes both ways. I would imagine, but I don't know. I haven't felt particularly like valued or wanted in the relationship for a very, very long time. And then now that it's over, you know, it just seems like that would be easier to not value, not, not, not harder. So, you know, there's, there's good days and bad days. There's conversations that I think are going to go easy about something simple and it turns into a, like an explosion. And it's very, very difficult to, to navigate that. It's really tough. It's really, really tough. So we're, we're, just doing our best to get through it. So I was just asking him how it works. And he, and he was just saying like, that goes amicable because he doesn't have days. I was saying like, do you have days where like you wish you hadn't or whatever? He's like, no, no. In fact, there's sometimes things that she does where I'm just like, oh, I'm so glad that like once we, once we sell our house, we're never going to have, like, I'm never going to have to deal with that again. And I'm like, yeah, I guess there's things like that. And even, even lately there's, there's days where I'm like, man, like, you know, I'll have dreams and I'll like the dreams will, you know, I'll miss her because of the dreams. And then, you know, wake up and just the smallest thing you know, it results in me getting like yelled at. And I'm like, this is so unfair. But again, this is exactly the stuff that I didn't need in the relationship. So it's, it's tough. But anyway, so just, that was, it was kind of nice that for a few minutes I could speak with a kindred spirit who, who sort of, you know, reminded me that like, it's hard not to think of all the good things. I guess that's how people process, right? Like, you know, when people break up, one person immediately turns into the bad guy you know, you got to start looking at that person with the negative lens because it helps you move on. Right. You know, you can't be sitting there thinking about all the great things about them because that's just not productive. I guess it's not, it's not bringing you to your goal of wanting to move on, but I'm a, I'm, I'd like to think that I'm a nice person and, and I don't sit around hating somebody. So I'm, I'm not having an easy time moving on because I'm not sitting around just thinking about all the things that I don't like. I, 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 been somebody who's done that and always looks at the negative and there's still things that I I look at the negative on, but overall, like, I don't want to sit around and just think horrible things about somebody that I loved, somebody that I was prepared to spend the rest of my life with, but that doesn't seem to be, it doesn't help me move on. doesn't help me want to, you know, leave. I I'm not looking for anyone else just because I'm like, I'm not, I know I'm not ready. And as much as like I, I get lonely and stuff, I don't want to 
I don't want to be just like, I'll just take anything. Like I don't want to rebound because maybe the nice person that I meet is not looking for a rebound. They're looking for a genuine person and, and I'm just not emotionally available. So it's, it's tough. Hey, none of this is worth listening to guys, but just, that's where I'm at. And it, and it like, I didn't get to go as deep with the chat that I'd like to, but, but essentially like I assumed that maybe he would say, Hey, because it's been longer that they've been broken up, but still cohabitating. He might have some, you know, like, yeah, I went through that, but I found that X, Y, and Z help. It was more just like, Nope, we're, we're getting along. He's like, I think she's seeing somebody else already in like a difference, you know, in, in the States don't care, whatever. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm not there yet. And, and he sounded like he just has been doing well with it. I even opened up kind of where I'm at. So just in case he was putting up a strong front to be able to be like, Hey man, you know, hand on the shoulder. Well, like, you know, it's, it's like this, it just seemed like, Nope, he's, he's doing okay. And it's, and it's for the best. So happy for him. I don't want anyone else to be hurting, but was really hoping that maybe somebody with a situation where cohabitating with an ex that you thought you're going to be with forever, you know, it gets easier in this, that, or whatever. So again, he's leaving for six months. He's going to have, he's not going to have to to deal with it. So good for him onward and upwards. <sighs> what else can I tell you guys about? You know, I've got, uh, I went to Mika's house, to Mika and Mel's house. My, my, one of my best friends in the entire world. It was cool. I decided to, they reached out. They're like, Hey, you want to do board games on Friday? And I was like, yeah, I don't have anything going on Friday. Let's do some fucking board games. It's been a hot minute. I don't think I've done like a board games night since the pandemic. So I was like, well, yeah, I'll bring some stuff over. We'll shoot the shit. And, and Crystal and Michaela were doing stuff. So I just said to Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn's more mobile. Now I haven't really talked of there's episodes of shit that's happened that I haven't recorded, but, but Brooklyn's more mobile now. So I was just like, Hey, look, they're doing their thing. Did you want to, you know, go play, play games with me at Mika's house? And Brooke's like, yeah. So we went to, to Mika's, we shot the shit, had some drinks. They were mentioning that one of their kids was sick. And I said, they're like, do you want to come for dinner? It's like, yeah, but one of the kiddos is sick. And I was like, I'll tell you what, why don't we just wait for the kids to go in bed? Because kids are not particularly cautious with their, their ailments. You know what I mean? And, and I just said that like, you know, if your kid's sick and Hey, uncle Josh, how's it going <laughs> right in my face? I'm like, I got to start my full-time Santa gig, not to mention my week at absolute comedy. I'm like, I cannot come down with, with an illness. So we decided to go a little bit later on. And we got to spend a couple hours, you know, we spent probably the good first hour just shooting the shit. Then we started a board game called Stone Age, which is fun. It's just, you're dealing with a bunch of cave monkeys and you're choosing, you know, if you wanted to go hunt or gather food or resources, whatever, it was just a fun little game, which we didn't get to even finish because Mel was feeling a little unwell for other reasons and, you know, excused herself around like the 10 or 11 o'clock mark. And which was fine. You know, again, we started late because we waited till the kids went in bed, but it was just nice to see them. Nice to hang out. Nice to be out of the house. Chatted with my buddy Mika for a while. And it was just nice. It was just nice to hang out with my buddy. You know, we do what we always do, which is just, you know, find some sort of subject and, and, uh, disagree on it, but amicably it's just fun, but I enjoyed it. I, I liked seeing my friend. It was a nice little, you know, step aside out of things for a little bit. And that's, that's it. Like, it's just, it was just nice to turn my brain off and, you know, not be staring down the barrel of a bunch of work. Well, let's see what else here. How much time am I doing? Oh, only half an hour. Maybe it'll be a short one game. Let's see. You know what? I can talk about this. I played, I, pl I was playing a game called Subnautica. So again, with the depression, you know, I find myself picking up the PlayStation controller more than like getting productive stuff done. That'll make me feel better. And. I played, I played Subnautica. What it is, is it's a game where you're essentially, it's, it's like underwater Minecraft almost somewhat, 
And I mean, if you don't know what Minecraft is, why would I just, why would I describe two games? You're basically, it starts off where you're like on in a little escape pod, right? Game starts, you're in an escape pod. What's going on? There's fire. There's this, you're strapping yourself in all of a sudden your escape pod hits, you get dislodged from your seat and you know, you wake up, you, you tend to a couple little quick emergencies in this pod and then you open it up and you're sitting in, in a little, you know, escape, escape pod floating in an ocean, you know, and you look over and there's this giant spaceship, likely the one that you were jettisoned from that has crashed into the water and it's on flames and you can see it, you know, in the horizon, there's your ship in flames and you don't really have anything. You got like maybe a tiny little tool or something. I can't remember what you start with, but the whole idea is you just jump into the water and now you're just in this little water. There's fish swimming around. There's little, you know, mushrooms or, 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 or underwater growth. But the whole idea is that you're just, you're in the water and you know, what do I need to do? And you get tasks. You, you slowly start to, you know, you receive little communications from the radio inside your escape pod. So you're constantly going into the pod and then out again into the pod. Cause it's got a tool that fabricates things for you. So you're, you're just swimming around, you're finding resources, bringing them back to make things as you play the, the water gets deeper and deeper. So you're in very like safe, shallow area in the beginning, but as the game goes on, you, you find, you know, like sort of deeper and deeper areas, your, your oxygen is a, is a factor. So like early on, you can go underwater for like 15, 20 seconds, and then you kind of have to surface because you're running out of oxygen, but you'll find things to make bigger oxygen tanks. You'll find different things to make flippers and, and different suits that will allow you to dive deeper in time. You'll make different types of mobility devices to, to move around and stuff with. It actually has a relatively interesting story to it, but really what it is, is underwater exploration. And you are on a, an alien planet. This is not earth. So the type of sea life is unique to this world. So it looks, it can look like fish and stuff, you know, but effectively, excuse me, let's put it this way. If you've ever watched avatar, the, the way of water or whatever the hell it was called, when you're watching that, even though it's alien fish, you can tell exactly what fish it's supposed to be, right? You're like, that's a whale. That's a dolphin. That's a shark. That's a stingray. Like, you know what I mean? Like, despite the fact that it's an alien, you know what it is, right? Whereas in this game, shy of the small fish, things are pretty unique. You know what I mean? Like you can, you, you don't really know what it's modeled afterwards. And there's a novelty to that. That's nice because, you know, if you know what something is supposed to be, then you're treating it like what you already know. So you, you have a knowledge of it. Whereas like these things, like some things that look like they wouldn't be aggressive are, and some things that look menacing aren't. So it's just like, okay, like you got to literally, you know, swim up to it and scan it. And you know, if it tries to kick your ass, you're like, oh shit. Okay. Learn my lesson. But you're, you're, you're essentially exploring and analyzing and collecting data on this, this world and, and trying to build the tools and things that you need to create an escape plan to get off this, this world, because you know, you're, you're stuck here as you play the game. It just got more and more fascinating. It was, it was freaky at times because a lot of times you're, you're bringing yourself to depths to where it's like, you know, whatever little sea mobile you've created, like could get crushed by the pressure. There's only so far down you can go, but then you can see where you need to go. So sometimes you've got all this little underwater sort of like dive capsule submarine thing. And then of course you'll get to a certain depth and now this thing can't take anymore. So you'll have to get out of it and then swim with your flippers deeper and keep an eye on your oxygen. So you're always like just going slightly further on, on foot, so to speak, whatever the, whatever the, you know, scuba diving, but uh, on swim, whatever the terminology is, but, but the, but the diving equivalent of doing it on foot versus like in a little submarine or car or whatever water car, 
so it just keeps things like, you know, when you're in a little, a little device, you feel a little more safe than when you're just swimming around and you get eaten by something. There's actually a time where I was swimming around and then all of a sudden, like I got spun around, like my, my, my player spun around and there was like these tentacles all, like on, on all four corners of the screen, which was essentially like, it's holding me, my, me. And then it just sucked me into its mouth. Like, and it was very quick. It was just kind of like spin around. Oh my God. And then eaten. And I literally was like, ah! like, like I wasn't expecting. It. I was just swimming around looking at some rocks and just eaten. This thing wasn't, I never saw it. That's the thing, right? It's not like I was, there was a ton of shit going on. It was just, everything seemed like it was quiet, empty waters. And then just, I was eaten. I was like, holy fuck, scared the shit out of me. But I played it. I completed it. I finished the story. It was, it was definitely worth, worth playing. It's called Subnautica. It's a relatively old game uh, in terms of, I think it's like around 2014, 2015, but it was originally released as a, excuse me, computer game. And, and then ported it over to the consoles, but. I would certainly say if you're not interested in in playing that sort of game, um, it did get like quite creepy at times where you're in like very, very dark water and you need lights and stuff. And, you know, in order for your lights and stuff to operate, you need batteries. Like it was, it was at times very stressful because your resources, you know, air, power, things that you need food, right? You still need to, to eat and drink and find food. So, you know, trying to go into places where you're like, how do I navigate? Cause you can just start swimming down tunnels and stuff like that. And then you're like, I've, I've got myself all turned around. How the fuck do I get out of here? And it's like, well, you don't have anything to tell you, right? It's not like there's a bunch of stuff. You have to have certain gear or certain tools that you've created sonars and stuff. And there's only so much you can carry. So sometimes you have to decide like, well, do I bring all this gear? And then I don't have any room to bring anything back that I I need. So like fun, fun, scary, pissed me off so many times, you know, I'd be screaming and yelling because, well, not screaming and yelling. I'd be muttering how pissed off I was because, you know, I got myself turned around that I drowned. I mean, you drown, you lose all your shit. So you do, you do respawn, but now you got to swim all the way down there to get the stuff that you dropped. And you're like, well, I don't have half the shit I needed to get down there. So you got to go make it all over again. You know, it just, it, it, it was a romp. It was a, it was a little adventure and I enjoyed it. Subnautica. There's, there's people playing it on YouTube. You can, you can YouTube it and you don't have to go through the experience, but to just sort of see what it was that I was talking about. But it was, but a very, very fascinating sort of exploration survival game. I enjoyed it. I'll tell you guys about my, my shows at Absolute Comedy. We did two simultaneous 8 p.m. shows, and then we did a show at 10.30. And the simultaneous shows are interesting because you're, you're, there's two showrooms at Absolute Comedy. There's an upstairs room, which is, the, which is the showroom. And then the downstairs is like the pub area where they often do dinner shows and people go and sit and drink after the show. But there is a stage there. There is a microphone. There is a spotlight so that in the event that you know, it's usually during the holiday season, these November, December months, in the event that the early show sells out far enough in advance, they can actually book a second show downstairs. But of course the host and the headliner can't be in two places at the exact same time. So what they do is they have them sort of switch. So whoever the weekly headliner is, he'll actually host downstairs. You know, they'll get a a local act to buffer the in-between section, the feature section, and then have the host from upstairs headline the downstairs show. And then that's what they did. So I'm I, I was just doing the middle spot because it was, a, it was a guest spot that week. So what ended up happening was we had the lovely Stephanie Lang, who's a, who's a good friend of mine. And we really enjoyed working together in Kingston and spent a lot of time together. And I haven't seen her since before the pandemic. So I didn't even know she was on the show. I just said yes to Jason that I would do the show, not knowing who was on it, but Stephanie was hosting and my buddy, Alistair McAllister was headlining. So that was the, the run of show upstairs, host, feature, and then Alistair headlining. But what they did was they swapped her up, swapped it up downstairs. So they actually had Alistair hosting. They had Stephanie do the feature downstairs and then I headline. So basically everyone just got pushed. So she moved 
from host to feature. I moved from feature to headliner and Alistair moved from headliner back to the beginning, which hosting. So that's how the show worked. It was great. It was great to be able to see her, her act now. She's, she's in a relationship. She's very, very happy. We shot the shit. I told her what was going on with me. It was just nice catching up with my friend. The shows went fine. I don't remember any one of them being particularly like horrific or amazing, but we got through the, the, the shows. We had a good time. Then we did the late show, which was fun, but it was just a nice night to be able to, to catch up with a friend. It was great seeing Alistair too, but we work, we work with each other quite frequently. Still been a hot minute since I seen him, but, but I just know that like Stephanie for context guys is from the UK. So I don't get to see her very often. It's not like she's around and I just, oh, she's on the show, but I don't, I haven't seen her since before the pandemic. Cause this is literally her first trip back since the pandemic. And I just, uh, was really, really happy to see, to see my friend and, and I had a good time too. So really like shooting the shit was the best part of my night and the shows were just the reason to do it. But uh, it was also nice getting paid extra to do headline spot downstairs. So really enjoyed my shows at absolute comedy, really enjoyed catching up with Steph, really enjoyed seeing the other people on the show. If you're anywhere, I do have listeners in London. If you happen to see Stephanie Lang's name on the show, go see her. If you're anywhere here in Canada and you see Stephanie, if she, if, you, if she has a podcast, you know, or content online, check it out. She's really, really funny. She's actually kind of like introverted off stage, but she gets on stage and she comes out of her shell. And so funny, just goofy, goofy energy. Really, really enjoy watching Stephanie work. So I would, I would strongly advise you guys to check her out. Like just a great, great personality. No, no ego, no like attitude, just, just funny. <sighs> And I'm on the fence here, gang. This is where I'm at right now is I don't know if I should tell you this story right now or not. It's nothing any, it's nothing particularly, I find it funny what I did, but then I'm like, well, why don't I decompress it? You know, or, you know, or de deconstruct it and see why I think I did this, but I, I still don't know. Like I kind, I think I kind of know, but I don't. So let me, let me tell you this on an episode where I don't have a lot to, to, to discuss and I'll, I'll use it as filler. When I first I agreed to do an open mic show. So the first time I was going to do stand up, I booked it like a month and a bit out. Okay. And I was like, okay, now I need to write jokes. I don't know what the fuck to talk about, but I remember going to my buddy Patrick's house and I brought like an open I'm like, Hey man, let's like, let's write some jokes. And he's like, whatever. And I think he was like, he was a, like a chef, a cook, whatever. So he was just like going to cook. And like, we'd, we'd work on some material. We never ended up actually really getting anything done that evening, but all I remember, and it's just this funny, it's funny to me with how, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like, dude, what the fuck were you going to do with that? You know what I mean? So I remember I sat down, I sat down at his, at his table in the back, uh, on the back porch, you know, while he was getting the barbecue ready. And I had a pad of paper or a note, like a clipboard. I don't remember. All I know is that I had lined paper and I'm like, all right, write some jokes. And I, I right at the very top of the page, like this is just, all right, here's, here's the subject. I wrote fat chicks. I just remember that I wrote, I wrote fat chicks and I, all right, here we go. This wealth of, of, of humor. And well, you can make jokes about that. It's, it's not kind, but in my head, like I said, I don't know what my motive, I laugh because I'm just like, that's it, Josh. Like the first time you put pen to paper to write jokes, it's just boom, fat chicks, like an e like an easy target. And it's, it's not like I'd even written the jokes, but I would imagine the jokes would not be particularly kind. They'd be more cruel, 
You know what I mean? So it's always been funny to me that like, like, and I, it's not like I'm like, oh man, I've got all these ideas for fat chick jokes. So let me just, let me just frame the, the work. It was just like, all right, I'm going to write some jokes, fat chicks. And it was just funny to me, but like, I would never write material about that stuff. Now, wouldn't not like that's the subject. If something like that came up, I would do it. And I'll even share this story with you guys further, because I remember I did have a joke about, and I've heard many, many comics do some variation of it since. So I don't think they're stealing the material. I think they just may have been just like me where it's like, oh, it's a, a thing, but I'm, I'm setting it up more than just getting to it. I did a plenty of fish joke and I was talking about this, that, whatever. And I remember saying like, at one point, I'm like, the site's called plenty of fish. And you know, someone should tell these ladies that whales are mammals. It wasn't a great joke. And like I said, even since I've heard like, oh, whales are mammals, like the same line locally. I've never heard it on, on, on TV or, or, you know, on YouTube or something like that. Again, it's not super, it's not super kind. You can polarize the audience with it. But I used to like tell that joke first, not just like, Hey guys, Hey, thanks for having me. Listen, Hey, plenty of fish, all this, so much to tell the, no, it was more about like, I'm looking at all these shit, like these chicks that are like the female version of me. And I make fun of myself a little bit in the joke, but I would start with the joke and it's almost like I polarized the audience. And I remember my friend, Andrew, Andrew Evans telling me like, Hey man, I know you're a nice guy. Like we've, we've hung out several times. I know you're a nice guy, but the audience doesn't know that you're a nice guy. So if you start your set by just, you know, making fun of a group of people, like there's no trust, like it's harder for them to be like, Oh, he's just joking because like, they don't know you. And you've started your, your set by being unkind, you know, not like super mean, but it's not, it's not a kind joke. He's like, so if you take, if you do those other jokes that, that aren't really attacking anybody, and then you save that for the end, at least that, at least you've built some trust with them and they're, they're more willing to come along with you. So he's like, sometimes it's not even the joke, just where you put it in your act can make a difference. You got to earn their trust before they'll come along with you into some darker subjects. It was one of the earliest lessons that I learned doing stand-up comedy, but it's an important one. And, uh, for any comics who may be listening or anybody just in general, wondering how stand-up works, that's a little inside baseball for you is that sometimes it's not, you know, what the joke is, but just where you put it can make a difference of whether it works or not. But again, just looking back at, at, at the first thing I ever wrote down to, to, to quote unquote, bring to the stage, not that I ever did, but you know, it was just like fat. Like I said, I, I don't think that I ever wrote another line on that paper that night. I think we started drinking, we had some, whatever, some food, but it was just like, I just thought it was so funny that I'm like, I'm sitting down. All right. Got to start writing some jokes and then just fat chicks. All right go brain. You know, I just, it makes me laugh because now I, I know how stupid it is. And even at the time it was like, is that it? You're going to like, you're going to go like an easy route. It's not just like fat. It wasn't not even self-deprecating. It was like, it was like going at other people because that's, I guess who Josh Williams was at the time was, was, you know, I'll make fun. And as much as I think it's funny, it's, it's also mean, like, you know, then in the industry, they call it punching down now, but at the end of the day, anything that's funny is funny, but you also have to wear it. You know, you can't just tell a joke and be like, guys, I'm just joking. It's like, well, yeah, but it's still hurtful, you know? So that's why I say, like, I write it down on the page and go why I thought that was funny, you know, or a good writing start. I don't really know, but I assume it's because that's just the kind of jokes that I would tell at the time. I told a lot of jokes at the time. I told all sorts of stuff at the time, but I guess in that moment, I'm like, this will be easy. This will get some laughs. And it's like, sure, but it's also like kind of bullyish. 
So I've just always found that funny and, and I've never really told that story to anybody. I wasn't ashamed of it or anything. It was just one of those things I just never thought of it. But the other day, I, w- I think it just popped in my head. I was like, you remember that fucking, that time I sat down to write jokes and it's like the first thing that you put on the page was fat chicks. Or I think that, that I, I had maybe mentioned that to somebody, I told them that story and I was like, I don't know. I don't know why. It's just like, that was, that was the first thing I ever wrote down on paper to do jokes was just sit down fat chicks and go. So I don't know. I wrote that down on a piece of paper, which has been taped to my desk for some time to be like, Hey, tell that story on the podcast, fill some time. I am not telling that like I am presenting myself in a good light or anything. It's just, it was just a story, a thing that I did. And, and thank God I've, I've, I've moved, (laughs) I've moved away from that. Because I, uh, I still tell stuff like if I think that it makes fun of a, a group or something, I'll still tell it if I, if I think it's funny, but I don't do it in a, in a attacking hurtful way. It's, it's important for me to sort of, excuse me, learn to discover the things that I find funny. All right, let's, uh, let's move on. That's, that's the, the stuff I have to talk about this week, guys. I apologize. It was a, it was a quiet week, but I wanted to make sure that I was giving you some time with me, even though I have other episodes to record as soon as I'm done this. Do you manage your time well, Josh? I think we both know I don't. So I got an email from my buddy, Rich. Rich sent me a message. The title is episode 3338 and lost opportunities. He says, dude, you had your eyebrows waxed and did not record it or make it an episode. No, sir. I did not. So I'll read his email. I have a bad habit of, of commenting after each line or at least commenting after some sentences. And then it's hard to know, well, what's the writer what's the writer put here and what's, what's Josh adding to it. So I'll read the email and then I'll address it. So dude, you had your eyebrows waxed and did not record it or make it an episode. It would have been gold, Joshua gold. Next time you have a one man field trip like that, let me know. And I can help you record that shit. And we will have an audio recording of this momentous occasion for posterity. Maybe check with your new pals and see how long it will take your, for your mono brow to grow back in. And then he put in Miigwech, Miigwech, merci, thank you. I think Miigwech is probably First Nations for, or Indigenous, sorry, I'm never, never sure what the right one is at the time. Indigenous for goodbye, I would imagine. Rich, please feel free to send me an email, contact the one podcast.com and let me know what that is. I assume I'm correct. So for starters, Rich, I didn't plan a field trip to do it. I was at the women's show and they were a booth not far from mine, you know, and I think they were just looking at me like, oh, we could do this for you, you know, but I don't have a mono brow. I don't have a, a unibrow, you know, I don't have that. I, they weren't waxing hair that was in the middle. They were like, like I have, I have blonde, if not gray eyebrows. So there's, it's like, so I have salt and pepper eyebrows for the most part. And they were like, oh, you should dye them or whatever the hell like procedure they called it. You know, we'll like pluck them and make them a little more like you know, shaped and then we'll dye them so people can see your eyebrows more. And I didn't, I was like, well, okay, whatever. Like they were offering it for free. They didn't charge me. So I was just like, whatever, we'll do it. And it'll be funny. I'll take pictures, which I did. They're on the, the one man podcast, Instagram gang. If you want to go and take a look, you'll see the before the after of what these, these eyebrows looked like. Didn't love it. Didn't love it. They looked, they, I felt like I looked weird, but they're all like, oh, it looks so good. I'm like, well, of course you're going to tell me that you want me to, you want to sell me this on a regular basis. I also thought it was funny that I'm like, I don't, I've never had a problem with my eyebrows in terms of feeling like they weren't good enough. And I'm like, of all the things wrong with me, like I guarantee it's not my, oh, sorry, of all the things wrong with me physically, they're still broad and then narrowed and then narrowed further. There's, I don't think I have any issue with my eyebrows. Of all the things wrong with me, my eyebrows, my eyebrows are toe in the company line. Let's just say they're doing their job. But 
I mean, I'll do it again if you want to record it, but it wasn't, I wasn't screaming or anything like that. I felt the rips and I was like, ow, you know, mentally I was like, oh, that didn't feel good, but I get it. Women do it all the time. And you know, beauty is pain as I've heard them say, like, but I just, I didn't love it. So I'm like, I don't think I need that going forward in my life. I don't, I don't need to, to wax and, and paint my eyebrows. So I, I don't think I will, but I certainly appreciate the email, buddy. I appreciate you reaching out. Yes, it may have been funny, but I don't think it was as funny as you expect. However, while I was getting it done, all these other people I'd met at the women's show, like, you know, customers and stuff like that, I was like, Hey Josh, oh, your eyebrows look great. Like I'm on the table with my eyes closed. I'm like, Oh, thanks so much. They're like, just want to say bye to you. Thanks. We had a great time with you. Yada, yada, yada. So it's just funny. Like I, I, I think I'd be more willing to do something more outlandish if we're going to record it. Like I'll do shit for laughs, but our standard procedure, that's just like, meh, you know, like I said, they didn't, I didn't look super different afterwards, except that my eyebrows looked darker. I didn't see what their waxing had done to them. But again, you guys can see the pictures. You tell me if you see it and then tell me, right? Contact at onemanpodcast.com. Send me the email. I will read it. You let me know what you thought of it, but that's her rich. Thanks for the email, buddy. Keep them coming. Appreciate you coming up this week, guys. I'm hosting at, at absolute comedy, right? Tuesday through Sunday. And then Moose McGuire's on Monday. And, uh, and plugs I've got, uh, I will be hosting and then headlining absolute comedy in Toronto. So I'm hosting from January 2nd to the 7th. I got one day off and then I'm headlining the 9th to the 14th. So I really look forward to doing that. Please get your tickets at absolutecomedy.ca. you know, for the Ottawa shows or the Toronto shows. I'd love to have you guys there. And the Santa Claus gig starts on Friday. So I'll be at absolute comedy all week, but then come Friday, I'll be doing the, the Santa Claus gig. And then, and then I do, I believe I have a gig on the Saturday and it escapes me at the moment. Give me one quick sec here. I'll see if I can just plug it. I don't know why I would feel it necessary, but what is it? The 14th we start. So, oh, come on. Still, I'm flicking through my, my calendar here. Yeah, that's the week of that. And then I did a shopper's drug. I got a shopper's drug mart thing going on on Saturday. So I will be doing the Santa Claus gig on Friday, then absolute comedy, two shows that night. Then the first thing in the morning, I'm like seven o'clock in the morning. I'm out in the middle of nowhere for shopper's drug mart grand opening. Then I do the Saturday, two shows. And then, you know, Sunday morning, I'll kind of be off. So it's, it's going to be picking up for, for work right now. So I'm going to be, be going into a, a season running myself on the ground and hopefully the distraction will help with the, with the feels as the kids say, but but until then, listen, I appreciate you guys uh, send me the emails. They make me happy. It makes me feel like people are out there listening and, and just uh, reaching out a hand in the darkness with everything that's going on. But, but until then, I do appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. Thank you so much. And I look forward with chatting with, I look forward to chatting with you again soon.